this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. 2 Peter chapter 1. Now, if you're a guest, we welcome you here today. Praise God. I believe the Lord's going to speak to your heart. We've been talking about our identity in Christ Jesus. And so, last week, according to Ephesians 2, we are God's workmanship. We're His masterpiece. And when God created every one of us, that wasn't by chance or by, by accident. But the problem many times in our lives as human beings, we begin to, to, uh, to focus on uh, preconceived ideas that I'm not valued, my flaws, I can't do anything right. And so when I continue to focus on my flaws, I, I live frustrated. And so today, if you're here and you're living frustrated, if you're going through some great trials, if you're going through some hardships, going through some suffering, maybe you've been treated unfairly, you're in the right place for all above. 2 Peter chapter 1, let's begin in verse 1. It says, Simon Peter, a bondservant, apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained or received like precious faith or received faith of the same value with us, by the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Now, right there is our, our source of everything. The righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. So there's your hope for the day. Jesus will, will bring hope back into if you don't have any. Verse 2. Grace and peace be multipli- multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. In His moral insight. So what happens here, guys? When we begin to get into the Bible, the Bible will give you some knowledge. It'll give you some understanding. And the more understanding I have of the Word of God, the more the things of the kingdom are released in each one of us. And so he tells us some some great insights here. Get the knowledge of God in you. Verse 3, as his divine power. Now notice that, as his divine power. It doesn't say anything about your divine power. How many of you ever tried to fix you? And I've tried to fix me, and it didn't do me no good. It just got me in deeper and deeper. You know why? None of us can fix us. If we could have fixed us, God would have never sent Jesus. So he sends Jesus to, to fix us, to help us. As his divine power has given to us all things, how many things? All things that pertain to life and to godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now, each one of us in here, guys, we're called. And when God calls you, it doesn't knock him off his feet. When God calls each one of us, he equips us. He gives us everything we we need to, to fulfill the calling. The problem with most human beings is we start looking at everything we're not instead of everything we are. It's like we have a catalog and we say, well, I can't do that and I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I wish I was this, or I wish I was that. The focus on this is I I need to get back to what I'm uniquely called to do. And when God calls you, he'll, He'll give you purpose, and you'll begin to understand that. In my own life, guys, there's no need me wishing that I was a praise and worship leader. That's never going to happen. Not going to happen, Okay. There's no need me focusing and and wishing that I could play the guitar like some of these guys. That's not my calling. And so when I look at what other people can do, I ought to celebrate it. 
But there's something that God has called each one of us to do. And to walk in your calling, you've got to hang out with Jesus and he'll begin to reveal that to you. Keep reading. Through the knowledge of him who's called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Not just great promises, but exceedingly great. And not just promises, but precious promises have been given to us that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Jesus' divine nature is in every one of us. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, moral excellency, or to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance or patience, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren, useless, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. So I know I read that last part fairly fast, but what he's, he's telling us here is that I want to mold each one of you. If you were here last week there in Jeremiah 18, he says that he's the potter and we're the clay. And so when you read those last few verses there, that he's, he's wanting to mold within each one of us virtue, excellence. He's wanting to mold into each one of us diligence. He's wanting to mold in each one of us perseverance, patience. And I highlight that one because that one's big in my life. How about self-control? Are any of you in here in need of self-control? Probably every one of us in some area of our life. And so when you begin to look at what was written right here, God's got plans for every one of us. But before we start walking those out, He's got to mold us and He's got to shape us. And he's got to get us in position where we can walk by his calling. Now, go with me, and I'm going to jump back into the Old Testament. Go with me to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis 39. As you're turning to Genesis 39, one of the, the scriptures I was going to read, and we're going to jump it today, is found in Romans 8. And it says that, that God works all things. He's working in all things for our good. In all things. Good things and bad things. God is working for your good. Okay? And that verse says, For those who love Him who are called according to His purpose. So is, is that verse applied to everyone? No. Except to those who love God. If you love God, He's working on your behalf right now. Now, the, the, the word love many times gets us in trouble. We can all stand here right now and we can say, I love God, I love God, I love God, I love God, but the proof of the pudding's always in the eating. Jesus himself said in John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, obey me. So part of my love is expressed by the way I obey him. And so he said, I'm working together for your good to those who love me and those I've called according to his purpose. Now, if you were to look at Romans 8, 28, it says, according to his purpose. Not your purpose, but his purpose. Now, we jump to Genesis 39, and there was a young man named Joseph. And Joseph had this incredible dream that he was going to be this great man of God. Was the dream true? Yes. 
The issue was with the dream with Joseph that it wasn't for right now. A lot of times when God gives us a calling or a dream, where we get messed up is we think it's going to happen right now, right now, right now. But you can go back and look throughout the Bible, whether it was King David, whether it was Joseph, God was working on them. He was shaping them. He was molding them. In both of their lives, it was almost 13 years after they were given dreams and visions before they ever started walking in them. So Joseph's got this great dream, and he shares this dream with his ten older brothers. They weren't real thrilled about it. They were so thrilled about it that they had him sold as a slave. That's how excited they were about it. Pick up with me here in Genesis 39, verse number 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh, captain of the guard of the Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Now, look, look what it says here in verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, as he, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So he sold as a slave. Sold as a slave right here. But remember, God will work in all things to bring about good. And so right here, Joseph had to believe, I'm God's masterpiece. Even as a slave, even when circumstances said otherwise, he had to believe God had his back. God was working for him. Now, I want you to highlight that. Even as a slave, God was with him. God will be with you wherever you're at. What arena of life you're in. Keep reading. Verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and he served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. Now what I believe is happening here, the potter was shaping the clay. He was molding David in extreme difficult circumstances. What I begin to see here when it said he served him, in me and you's life, if we'll continue to do right and with the right heart, God will promote you. God will work on your behalf. And so in this passage right here, David's faith was being developed. What is our faith? It's, it's when we trust God and how we believe God. I found in my own life, guys, my faith never grows during easy times. When difficulties arise, I find out what's in me. That's where I find out what I really believe. And so his faith was being developed, and also his character was being developed. You know, a lot of times we get our character messed up with our reputation. Our reputation is who people think we are. Our character is who our wife knows we are. Huge difference. Huge difference. So right here, he's a slave, but God is working in on his behalf. Verse 5. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house that all he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Now, when I was reading this, on three different occasions in verse 1, verse 2, and verse 5, it mentioned the Egyptian or the Egyptian's house. 
Understand this about Joseph. He was a Hebrew. He was an Egyptian. Why do I point that out? I believe every one of us need to understand this. When God starts working in our lives, it doesn't matter if you're an Egyptian or a Hebrew. It doesn't matter what color of skin on you. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you were born on. When you serve God, God will begin to move in your life. He's not restricted by who your parents are or aren't, okay? And this is big even right here. In the midst of the Egyptian's house, God still moved. Verse 6. Then he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. You know what that means? I want you. That's modern day terminology. So right here, Joseph is under a real, real, real hard temptation. His master's wife is after him. Verse 8. But he refused. He refused, guys. He understood this. I'm being fit for the master's use. When I see that he refused, you know what I believe this really was? He had purposed in his heart. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to do what's right. And so much of what we have happen in our life is what I purpose in my heart to do. I'm going to purpose in my heart. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live for God. So it says here, he refused. And he said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you're his wife. You're not my wife, you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against the Lord? Now note what he said there. How can I do this and sin against the Lord? Joseph understood, guys, that the sin wasn't necessarily toward Potiphar, but the sin would be before God. And he said, you know what? I'm going to live for God. I'm not going to compromise. And so he's being molded. He's God's workmanship. He's God's masterpiece. Now, as I read this, I think, what would have happened if he would have gave in right there? It would have set him back. It would have set him back maybe weeks, maybe months, maybe years. I say that to say this. That if you've done something where you know it was sinful in God's eyes, repent. And God will get to, to moving in your life again. Repent and get back at the potter's house and let him start all over and start making you again, okay? So it says right here, but he refused. Verse 9, there is no one greater in his house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was after she spoke this to Joseph, day by day. You know what the message says? She pestered him day by day. She was relentless. Now let me ask you a question right now. Is there something that comes after you day by day? Day by, it just seems like, man, I can't get away from it. 
I can't, and that could look totally different for every one of us in this room. But it seems like it just always knocking at my door. It's always not. We can learn right here. Watch what happens here with this man named Joseph. So it was when she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her, nor to lie with her or to be with her. He wouldn't heed it. He wouldn't open up himself to this temptation at all. But it happened about this time when Joseph went to his house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. Now here it is again, day by day, relentless. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled and he ran outside. This is a nugget for every one of us in here. When there's certain temptations that come after us, there's times in our life, I've just got to flee. I've got to run from those things. I've got to stay away from them. My paraphrased edition of this is, you run with the snakes, you're going to get bit. I don't care who you are. I don't care what arena of your life. In my life, guys, when alcohol dominated me those years, I couldn't be around my old friends. I had to flee them. I couldn't get around a bar or a package store. I had to flee them. And I purposed in my heart, I'm not going to go around those things, because guess what? If I went around those things, I was going to compromise. But when you ask the Lord to help me, help me to flee from those things. This is important that every one of us in this sea right here. And so when you look at this, he's called and he's purposed. And he does what's right here. He honors what God would ask him to do, but his honor is repaid with injustice. You know what happens? He's falsely accused, and now he's sent to prison for doing what's right. I can't find anywhere in this passage where Joseph said, Oh, thank God, I'm a slave. Oh, happy day, I'm a prisoner. But what I did see with Joseph, that day by day, he chose to do what was right and with the right heart. And God keeps molding him, and God keeps shaping him, so you know he goes as a prisoner. Ultimately, he, he tells about a dream that the, the Pharaoh had, and he's freed. I want you to look at verse 21, because we read in verse 2, it said the Lord was with Joseph. Look at verse 21 here. But the Lord was with Joseph, and showed him mercy, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. See, God will be with you, no matter where you're at. Doesn't matter if you're a slave, it doesn't matter if you're a prisoner. God sees what's going on. God sees your heart. God is aware. And remember Romans 8, 28, He's working for good for your behalf. And so some of you right now, you may, you may relate to Joseph's story. Maybe you're going through some hardships right now. Maybe you're going through some suffering. Maybe you've been unjustly treated. What's the key? Keep living for God. Keep doing what you know to do on a daily basis. Now, I'm going to give you five uh, lessons of a dreamer. Real quick. Number one is this. Receive God's promise with childlike faith. When I go to the Bible and I can read the Word of God, let me give you an illustration. First John uh, 4, 4 says, Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I need to receive that promise by faith. I need to get in my heart and I need to say that. I thank you, Father God, right now. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. 
In, in Romans 8, 37, the Apostle Paul wrote, yea, yea, even in all these things, or through these all things, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. There's times I've got to receive these things with childlike faith. How does that happen? Well, you believe with your heart, and then you start speaking it. You get your mouth in agreement with the Word of God, and you start saying, I'm more than a conqueror, even in this area. That's the first one. The second one is this, make the bad, or make the best out of a bad situation. There's times in every one of our lives, you're going to be in a bad situation. Make the best out of it. Don't make, make the bad situation worse by going around and saying, life's so unfair. I never get a break. Nothing good ever happens to me. Make the best out of a bad situation. The lesson of a dreamer. The third one is stand with integrity in trials and temptations. Don't compromise. Don't try to cut corners. That's what Joseph did, guys. He stood with integrity. The fourth one is walk in humility before God and before men. If you go back and you study this whole passage here, he honored Potiphar, his master. He honored the butler and the baker that were in prison with him. He had a desire to honor people wherever he was at. It's big for me and you to do that. And the fourth or the fifth one is view life through God's perspective. Begin to look through God's eyes. Here, here's the thing that helps me with God. God doesn't see time in the way we say time. God doesn't see it in, in seconds and minutes, in hours, days, weeks, and months. There is no end of time with God, okay? Time is not an issue, and so just hold fast to the things. Live every day, but don't get so caught up on time. I mean, I used to put, I put restrictions on Father God. Well, God, if you're not going to move this week, then that's not going to happen. Or, if, if this doesn't happen by December 15th, I know it's not your will. That's stupid to do that stuff. Have you done that? I've done that numerous times, and it just gets me in trouble. Now, while you're in Genesis, turn over just a page to Genesis 41. Don't give up, guys. Don't quit, okay? Those are some of the things that, that I begin to see with Joseph. That what I'm fixing to read, it's been 13 years when he was around, since he was around any of his family. He did never give up, and he did never quit. And when I keep serve, uh, serving God and seeking Him like Joseph did, when I do what's right with a right heart, even in rough circumstances, God will bless me. Now look what happens here in Genesis 41. Start with me in verse 50. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came. Now he's the king now, guys. He's gone from a dreamer to a slave to a prisoner, now to a king. And so it says here, And to Joseph were born two sons before the year of famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore to him. So he's got this wife named Asenath. So I'm studying the other day in Jewish commentary, and in two different places 
it refers to this girl named Asenath, her her father as being Potiphar, who was David or Joseph's master. Now it's interesting to me that here he's under Potiphar for all these years. Now, not only is he now over Potiphar, he's married to Potiphar's daughter. Do you want to hear something really more interesting than that? The woman who had the hotsies for Joseph is now Joseph's mother-in-law. Happy Thanksgiving, mother-in-law. So I looked at this and I thought, this is how God restores things. So many times in our life, we get so caught up in the moment and everything, but here, the very ones that were over Joseph, and, and the, the, the wife who mistreated him, he's now over both of them, and that's his mother and father-in-law. But oh, it gets better. Look at this. These, these are modern-day soap operas. This is incredible. Verse 51. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. Now listen what Manasseh meant. For God has made me forget all my toil. For God has made me forget all my hardship, all my pain. So every time he looked at Manasseh, guess what? He looked at his life like, my life is well. My life is good. I am so blessed. And he ends that sentence and says, and all my father's house. So everything that had been taken from him, not only did God restore it back to him with his own children and his own wife, ultimately his own brothers came back into his life. God will restore. But the big thing is the very dream that he had, he starts walking in it. Look at the next verse. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, and Ephraim meant, For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. God has prospered me in the very land that has caused me all this pain and hardship. The message says it was double prosperity. So when I begin to look at all this, think about in a nutshell what takes place here. For 13 years, God is molding him and shaping him. And God gets him in position where he's got enough character and enough integrity. And God knows he's going to walk in my calling. And he did. You know, the worst thing that can happen to a human being is you succeed before you're ready. Because guess what happens? You take a lot of people down with you when that happens. Understand this. I don't know where you're at in life. Allow God to keep creating and forming in you diligence and patience and long-suffering. This is exactly what he did with him. And when God did that, God blessed him. Now go back with me to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll end with this. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Don't get antsy, okay? Just keep serving God and keep seeking God. Keep coming to church and keep getting around believers. And just keep doing what's right. Have a grateful heart within you, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we were here last week, and I want to read some of it again to you. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That means when you give your heart to Jesus, he comes in and reforms your heart, okay? He puts his nature within you. Now look what happens next. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so when Jesus comes in your life, guys, he changes your nature. My identity now is with him. Even as a slave, you're a new creation. Even as a prisoner, you're a new creation. Even as a king, you're a new creation. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. When you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you become a new creation reality. The issue is, many times, we don't see ourselves as a new creation. We have what I call spiritual amnesia. We forget who we are. Don't forget who you are in Christ. You've been transformed into His image. I've got to start thinking in line with who Jesus says I am in acting. How does that look? Well, I want you to think how you learned in school the process between a caterpillar and a butterfly. For years, that old caterpillar, you know, you ever looked at a caterpillar? He's really not a handsome person. Pretty sick. You know, the big old fat green ones? You look at them and... Of course, at times in my life when I look at caterpillars and mosquitoes and stuff like that, and I said, God, I know there's got to be a purpose for these things, but what are they? Flies? But a caterpillar, he, he's crawled on his belly his whole life. And all of a sudden, and I'm not going to try to explain it to you because my science isn't the greatest, but there's a transformation. And that caterpillar has now become a butterfly. And a butterfly acts like a butterfly. A butterfly is beautiful. But what would happen if I had a butterfly up here and we see this beautiful butterfly, but he's crawling on his belly? We would look at that and say, something's wrong, something's wrong, because a butterfly... Acts like a butterfly. But what happens to us many times is, as believers, I'm a new creation reality in Christ Jesus. Behold, those old things have passed away. So God created me to fly, but yet I continue to crawl. I forget who I am in Christ. I forget the image. I'm a butterfly. God wants you to fly. That's his goal for each one of us, but I'll never fly until I start seeing myself that way. Oh, pastor, I'm ugly. Not in God's eyes, you're not. Oh, pastor, I can't ever do anything right. Not in God's eyes. He said we're new creations in Christ Jesus. He's written on my heart. He's written on your heart. So the key is beginning to understand who I am in Christ. This is who God says I am. And when I start understanding that, you know what happens next? I start walking in my purpose and my calling. It goes back to the little drill I gave you last week where I think it's healthy for you to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, God loves me. 
And some of you, you'll fight that with everything within you. But according to who I am in Christ, God loves me. And then it's another step when I say, ooh, and I love myself. Not arrogant or haughtily. I just love who God created me because the bottom line is this. If I don't love God, and I know that God loves me, and I don't love myself, I can never give away what I don't have. But when I start understanding, ooh, this is who Jesus has made me. I really don't care what people think. This is what God said about me. Look what happens in verse 18. Now all these things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. What does reconcile mean? It means that God settled the relationship with Jesus Christ. It, it means that he restored us to the divine. You've been restored back to a relationship with Father God because of Jesus. So we sing that song, I'm not an orphan anymore. I'm a son. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're not an orphan. The relationship has been reconciled through Christ Jesus. Now keep reading here with me. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. You guys didn't know you had a ministry. You do. It's a calling. Verse 19. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing sin or their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So the reconciliation process by which God and men are brought together again only takes place by the blood of Jesus. So when I come under the blood, I've been reconciled with a relationship back to God, but not only have I been reconciled back to God, He's saying now, I'm going to send you out all over the place, and I want you to be my voice. I want you to be my spokesman. And some of you say, no, 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 that can't be me. Look at verse 20, and we'll end with this. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. It didn't say evangelists, it didn't say pastors, it didn't say teachers, it didn't say prophets or apostles. It said we. Me and you are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors sent right here on earth to represent Jesus. Just as Joseph did. Now look what this verse ends with. As though God were pleading through us. As God was pleading through you, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So once again, you go back and you look at Joseph's life. What took place? He had a dream and he had to walk out some things. And God is like, it's like God's ironing clothes with us. He'll get you on that ironing board and he'll say, Ooh, you got to be ironed out a little more here, boy. And he'll move in this area and he'll stroke us here and he'll get us. And then guess what he does? He moves us into a position of calling, of purpose as ambassadors.
And when you read the story of Joseph's life, the Pharaoh who was the king of Egypt, he put a signet ring on Joseph. So you know what that signet ring meant? That everywhere Joseph went, if anyone bucked him, all they had to do is show him that ring. And that ring said, he's got the authority, he's got the power. It's the same for me and you. Because we're children of the Most High. Not only does God equip us when we're called, but God gives us the name that's above every name. That through the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus, I'm a representative. How does that look? I grew up as a younger brother. I remember there were times growing up, my dad would say to me, he said, you need to go down and find your brother and tell him, get home, it's time to eat. Now, I'm the younger. And so I remember I'd walk up and I'd say to my brother, it's time to eat. And you know how he would respond? Shut up. Get out of here. And it wasn't uncommon for him to be ugly and do something. But oh, it gave this younger brother great, great pleasure when I could look at him and I could say, Dad said, it's time to eat. And in my home, my father was the king of kings of our household. And so just by saying, Dad said... I would get a totally different reaction immediately. You know how yes, younger brothers are? You get pretty bossy then. Dad said. Dad said, you're to rake the yard. Dad said, you know, you'd exaggerate. Might as well throw it all in there. Go for the fence. See, that's how it is with Father God. I'm an ambassador here to earth. Just as Joseph was. And how all his family was restored. And all the things took place. Stand up with me here. All the things took place in his life. But it was on God's timetable. Let me ask you something today. Are you facing some suffering right now? Is there some hardships going on? Maybe you've been unfairly or unjustly treated. Maybe at home, maybe at work. See, it's very easy to, to look at all those analogies through the eyes of Joseph and say, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to keep living for God? You know, he said to the prophet of Isaiah, let's mount up with wings of eagles. Let's run and not grow weary. Let's walk and not faint. And there's many in this room that, man, you, you have, have battled the thought of, I ought to just quit. I ought to just give up. No. No. I believe there's an oil here today, an anointing down here today, for some of you to start flying again, for some of you to start running again, for some of you to start walking again. But you've got to stay on the, the, the wheel. And it's what I talked about even last week. Some of you have gotten off the wheel. You've said, I'm not going to allow God to mold me anymore. Some of you just need to stay on the wheel, okay? Just allow God to keep working and have a good attitude. Bow your head with me today. Father God, we love you. We honor you here today. And Lord, I know you're aware of every one of us in this room. 
Some have been in, in battles for literally years. Some are facing great hardships right now. But oh, Father God, I thank you. You're the God. You're the God who said, man, I'll, I'll develop you. I'll mercy you. I'll grace you. You know, if you're here today and you say, that's me. And I'm in great battles today. I'm in great difficulties, great suffering, great hardships today. And you say, you know what? Today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave here differently. I'm going to ask you to come down here. And what I want you to come down here and think about, when you come down here today, it's as if you're bringing your, your suitcases with you. Whatever that suffering may be, whatever that hardship may be, Maybe you've been untreated unfairly. I want you to envision today as you come down here that you just bring them down here and, and just drop them. And say, okay, Father God, I'm going to release those things out of my life and I'm going to let you come back in and breathe on me. If that's you today, please come down here. Don't leave here. Don't leave here in, in, in bondage. Don't leave here suffering. Just say, Father God, I need you today. God loves you. You don't have to be embarrassed of that. I think it's one of the quickest ways that, that we break pride in our life. When we say, man, I got junk in my life. I'm hurting in life. You know, even like Joseph, guys, I'm, I'm telling you, there's days that his thought had to be, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I will and sometimes I won't. But I do know this, guys, that he kept turning to God. He kept turning to God. Well, you see one's down here. I'm going to ask right now, if you're, if you're with our prayer team, I, I ask you guys to come on down here. Let's, let's pray for these ones. And you ones that are down here at the altar, I, I want you to envision just leaving these bags here, but even, even more so, That God allows you, you to dream again. That God comes back into your heart again. That if, if, you've, been, if you've been on the wheel a long time, man, I, I want a fresh anointing on it where you hang on to the things of God. Don't give up. Don't quit. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray over every one of these down here right now. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.